Blog Talk Radio. Challenging, thought-provoking, insightful. This is the Ninja Pastor with Sunday's God in Country with Dr. Sean. Hosted by nationally known speaker, Reverend Dr. Sean Michael Greener. Not your typical reverend. Dr. Sean is a proud U.S. military veteran, former law enforcement officer, founder of the internationally regarded executive protection team. Through his riveting national speaking, this ninja pastor tells it like it is. This show is biblically and politically engaged in the battle to save our country, with a pedal to the metal, with this Sunday's edition of Sundays with Dr. Sean. Buckle up. Here's your host, the author of the critically acclaimed book, Excellence Killed the Church, How Mediocrity is Destroying America, Reverend Dr. Sean, the Ninja Pastor, with today's message. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Okay, so I say this a week, and today is really no different, except it's different in that, uh, holy moly, we have cherry pie, the likes of which I have not seen. We have homemade Zuppa Toscana. If you've been to that uh, Italian restaurant chain, this is better than that, I think. This is better than that, and I watched uh, Doyle. Oh, yummy. Uh, I watched Doyle make it from scratch. And so I know it's really super good. Then we have a big vat of cheese popcorn, and we have fried chicken. We have all kinds of different, uh, all kinds of different things. I mean, it's unreal. The food is unreal. And this started right. It started as just a little light snacks, and we start at 5:30. People, you know, might be a little hungry, and so we have a little snack, and then. And then I don't think we understand what light snack is. If you come, come hungry, and we'll see to it you're fed. We'll have a lot of fun. We uh, we're really uh, we're really blessed. I mean, all this all this food is just so good. We're just very 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 blessed. So <clears throat> I want to say a couple quick things before we get started. Uh, number one, tomorrow I forgot last I think uh, till the very end about to talk about Monday show. Um, we, we're in for a treat. Those of you who have listened to the show for a long time, the Collision of Faith and Politics starts at 4 p.m. Same channel here. Um, Drago, uh, he's a retired Navy SEAL, vaunted career. I mean, among the SEALs, he is revered and feared. And, uh, you know, he's a great guy, but he wants to be known less as a former Navy SEAL or retired Navy SEAL and more as a great American. And if you know Drago's story, he was a political prisoner in Poland and came here to America and became a citizen, then became uh, went in the Navy, became a United States Navy SEAL, and became a SEALs SEAL. Well, he now works at a place that deals with PTSD and Veterans Affairs, and I'm telling you, you couldn't have a better advocate. I feel bad for anybody that would mistreat a veteran at this point because you don't want Drago against you. And uh, so he's going to be on the show tomorrow, and we're just honored to have him. Uh, great, great guy. So join in with us tomorrow. We're going to talk about some other things. We're going to talk about all the violence and unrest, air quotes, unrest, in Chicago at Donald Trump's rally. And we're going to talk about what's really behind it. I'm going to, I'm going to pick that apart and show you what's really going on here. Um, by the way, we're glad Miss Gloria is with us. She had surgery this week. We're glad that you're okay. Um, we think maybe she got in a gang fight or something, and she made up the story about 
made made up this story about surgery, you know, to cover. So to cover, she got in, she threw down with folks. So um, <clears throat> you never know with her. We we she keeps us hopping. What are you? Eighty four, eighty five. Eighty three years old. And she's the most vibrant one among us. So we're we're blessed. We're definitely blessed to have her. So folks, you know, I'm telling you, uh, I couldn't encourage you more. One, if you're in the Delaware, Maryland, Pennsylvania, New Jersey area, come join us. Uh, at least for one Sunday, and, and we get together at five, and then we eat, and then we laugh, and we do all kinds of stuff, and then we have our uh, we have this, which you're listening to now, obviously, and then afterwards we have a really vibrant Q and A and a really vibrant music and prayer time. It's pretty darn awesome, and uh, if I say so myself, the folks here are amazing. You'll feel you'll feel great, um, and then the Monday show, I, I just c- couldn't encourage you more. Listen to share. But more than anything, subscribe to the Collision of Faith and Politics as a subscriber because they've changed the matrix, how we how we're measured, um, and all of that. So it's really helpful for you to subscribe, and you won't get spams. You'll just get notifications from the show. And then DrSeanGreener.com or TheNinjaPastor.com. If you haven't been there lately, we've made some pretty big changes. Um, you have the opportunity presented to you after about 30 seconds on the site. A thing will pop up. You can move it out of the way if you want or delete it. But if you haven't subscribed to our updates and our newsletter and all that stuff in our blog, I'm writing a ton more now. And so there's a lot of that that's there that you could be really uh, enjoying or benefiting from or sharing with a friend. So DrSeanGreener.com, TheNinjaPastor.com. There's also a donate button there uh, if you are so inclined. We are... Uh, we're very blessed to have you uh, put in with us. So what should I do when I don't know what to do? Man, that is that is a tough question. That's a tough question, and it's a question that I get asked a lot. Now, I'm no, um, I'm no spiritual guru. I'm not, a, you know, while I have a doctor, yeah, yeah, we're not, we don't have all that going on. Uh, we, <laughs> we, we, but I do have a doctorate in theology and, and, um, and a master's in theology, and I'm, uh, and always, I'm always a student. Uh, of theology and scripture in general, but that doesn't mean I have all the answers. I'm always learning. I'm always I'm always lean hard into Christ to try to to try to learn more. And for me personally, I find it very rewarding, but I also find it very very challenging. But one of the things, as if you're a reverend doctor, uh, people will ask you the really tough questions. They save up the real really questions they figure, hey, let's get these answers here before we go to heaven, so we'll be prepared. So they ask the really tough stuff, and one of the really tough questions is, what should I do when I don't know what to do? It's, it is a huge challenge. So I'm going to start off with some scripture. Trust in Adonai. By the way, this is from the Complete Jewish Bible. You'll hear a lot of scripture tonight. Uh, I would encourage you to uh, just jot down the scriptures, whatever translation of the Bible you have. As long as it's not a spurious translation, it's my uh, seminary uh, president and professor, esteemed professor, Dr. Dennis Fry. Welcome back from Israel. We're glad you're safe. I know he's also a listener to the program. Uh, honored to have him. And all the folks in chat, by the way, if you are at a computer where you can be on chat, I encourage you to, to follow us there on chat. There's a, always a lively, fun discussion. But So I encourage you to follow along the scriptures. I'm going to use several different translations, but mostly the complete Jewish Bible. And if you've never looked at that, that's uh, Dr. David O. Stern's, um, it's his translation. He is really uh, quite extraordinary. 
quite frankly, at putting it how it would have been said but in English, how it would have been expressed but in English. Uh, and that's really tough. Hebrew, I don't know how much you know about the language of Hebrew, the culture of Hebrew, the land of the Hebrews, the people of the land, the land of the people, but it is a phenomenal and dynamic language. So I use that translation a lot of times when I'm speaking because of how it really gets the story across in a super clear way. So here we go. Trust in Adonai with all your heart. Do not rely on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. Then he will level your paths. Seated about your own wisdom, but fear Adonai and turn from evil. This will bring health to your body and give strength to your bones. That's Proverbs 3, 5 through 8. That's one you might want to memorize. If this is, you know, I talk about memorization. Of course, I have a, I have a traumatic brain injury from a, a fatal car crash. So memory, memorizing things is extremely difficult for me now. Memorizing things is extremely difficult for me now. See, I don't even know I just said that. See, I repeated that. I don't even know. No, I'm just kidding. No, but it is a hard thing. But what better to try and try and try and keep trying to memorize than Scripture? So this might be one passage that you say, hey, I might want to memorize this. Now, if any of you lacks wisdom... Let him ask God, who gives to all generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask and trust, doubting nothing. For the doubter is like a wave in the sea, being tossed and driven by the wind. That's James 1, 5 through 6. Another great one to memorize. This, these are some great passages to really seal in your heart. Well, it's interesting that I have a saying that says, hesitant faith is no faith at all. Doesn't this sound very familiar? But let him ask and trust, doubting nothing, for the doubter is like a wave in the sea being tossed and driven by the wind. Hesitant faith, no faith at all. So what I'm kind of getting at here today in this message today, and I'm, I'm glad that you've joined us, um, is a lot of times we're faced with things that we're really not equipped to deal with. And it's okay to admit, hey, I'm not equipped to deal with this. Many problems they leave us fractured inside. They leave us hurt inside. And those things accumulate, you know, a lot of times from when you're a kid um, to all the way to when you're an adult, 80 years old. Uh, you know, it's tough. Sometimes it's really, really tough. And you accumulate those hurts. And we sometimes they, they're from the most unfortunate sources. Our family, a lot of times, you know, there's, there's a lot of times a lot of hurt that's caused by our family. There's a lot of hurt that's caused by or brought on by loss and sorrow. Um, you know, we have one couple here, one great couple here that celebrated their 45th wedding anniversary uh, this week, a couple of days ago. And that's really exciting. It's a big deal. But then we have another here uh, who has the uh, honor and esteem of being the eldest among us who uh, missed, she misses her husband. She misses her husband, and, and so they had a lot of anniversary. But there's a lot of things, whether they're terrible things that somebody does to us or it's just life that happens to us. There's a lot of things that go on. And so I get asked this question a lot, and I want to address it. The pressures of life, folks, they mount up. They accumulate. You know, it's like toxin. Uh, my good buddy Wes just got back. We talked about him last week. We wished him well. Unfortunately, he got food poisoning, but he he there's no casts on him this week. He made it through his Utah or Idaho or wherever out west. You never know where he's going to end up. 
snowboarding. He has no casts on him, so he made it through without being hurt, so our prayers were answered. So, but, but you know, life accumulates, mounts up on us, and we lose our orientation. We kind of forget where we are. And the hurts, habits, and hang-ups, folks, they, they hang a lot of weight on our heart. And it's on our shoulders first, but it always seems to make its way down to our, our hurts, habits, and hang-ups. And they accumulate. If we don't detoxify, I brought Wes up because Wes is really into detoxification. He's, this is something he really studies on his own. He, uh, he educates himself on these things. And I have a lot of friends that send me a lot of information on stuff like that. Hey, help to detoxify your body. Because in society, we know what? We know that we have an awful lot of toxins that build up in us, in our very cells, in our hair. I learned this week that, you know, your hair has to be detoxified. I knew in a certain field that I was in for about 10 years, I knew that the number one source of outdoor irritants and allergens to come into your home is your hair, not your shoes. It's your hair, not your shoes. But you should also take your shoes off at the house and wear slippers if you don't go with bare feet. Uh, but your hair, you should always wash your hair um, before you get into bed if you have allergies because your hair contains more allergens and more pollen and all that stuff more than anything else. So we always have toxins, but we also know this, right? We know there are toxins in our food. There are toxins in the air. There are toxins in everything. Everywhere we go, there's toxins. And we have to detoxify, but we know emotionally, yeah, you want to become bubble boy like on Seinfeld. But what happens is, is a lot of times we bring a lot of toxins upon ourselves, our junk. I call it our junk, you know, my junk that I just keep heaping into my sack on my back, my hurts, habits, and hangups. And I don't want to put them down. You know, why? Because they're familiar. They're familiar. So we insist on carrying that junk with us, the hurts, habits, and hangups. And we insist on carrying it with us everywhere, and it weighs us down, and it confuses us, and it confounds us. We so often hear, I just don't know what to do. I hear that a lot. By the way, shout out to one of my listeners uh, is in the hospital and dealing with a very serious heart situation, and and our prayers go out to you uh, and your family. I'm sure that you're afraid and that your family's afraid, but... Um, I hope that tonight's message is, is very, very uh, helpful to you. So one of the things that I hear is I just don't know, man, I am at a crossroads. I'm at a, a big decision. I'm at a, a major point in my life, and I don't know what to do. So what should you do when you don't know what to do? Well, here's 10 suggestions. These are easy. If, you, uh, if you're at home, you're not driving, you might want to jot these down. Um, these, a lot of this stuff that I'm doing, by the way, is I'm working on, I was just working on three ebooks, but now I'm working on four. I've decided that I'm going to make, um, you know, you guys, many of you know, I wrote a concise, hard to believe that anything I would do would be concise, but a concise um, Bible commentary on every book of the Bible. And each book is only represented by 250 words. So I tried really hard to call down the meaning and purpose and the power and impact of each of those books of the Bible, 250 words, 66 books in the Bible, and I have an introduction, and I have a, a conclusion, and we have some other little things. But each book, it's only 250 words. We're going to make that, instead of making it an in-print only, it will be available in print, but we're going to release it initially in an ebook. So we're working on that now to have live links and different things. Uh, but one of the things that I'm writing deals with fear and challenge and sorrow. 
and 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 indecision in a Christian's life, a follower of the way. What do we what do we do when when we're uh, well, we just don't know what to do? So this is going to actually be part of that. So I'm, you know, you'll see this again, if you will. Ten suggestions. I just figured ten. Ten would be easiest to follow. Walk. Here's number one. Walk closely with the Lord. Now I know that's churchy language, but what does it mean to regular folks? Walk with the Lord. Oh, I just so enjoy my walk with the Lord. Oh, he. You know, we're at a funeral. I preach a lot of funerals, and when I'm at a funeral, if I, if you know, the person, a lot of times the folks, if I don't know them real, real well, or maybe I do know them well, and they really want to convince me that the person in that box up at the front room was really a really, really super Christian, they'll say things. Oh, he had a, he had a, God, unless you really knew him well, but he had a real close walk with the Lord. Oh, he walked close, like convincing me he's going to make a change. Sometimes I think they want to convince themselves. They're just not sure. But the thing of the matter is, is, you know, our walk with the Lord, it is churchy language, but our walk with the Lord is an allusion to walking in the garden. Right? Adam and Eve, they used to walk with the Lord. They said he used to walk with them different times of the day. Until what? Until they sinned. I say they sinned. I don't say Eve sinned. But you know what? He wasn't the only one. Adam was there and he failed to lead. He failed to be a leader. He failed to be strong uh, for his ear. Walk closely with the Lord. The old hymns, folks. They sweetly. You're going to hear a bunch of old hymns. I won't sing them tonight, but uh, maybe we might end up after... Steve, our 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 great great, uh, he leads our music here, and he really custom to some serious stuff on that violin, and we really enjoy it. So we sing. This might be something what we sing. Just a closer walk with thee, and you know I'm going to say this about that. You know the the old hymns. I'm nothing against. Yes, I do. That's a lie. Um, the new, the some of the new worship music really drives me crazy. Right. Uh, one song I listened to today just for fun. I won't say what the name of the title is because I really don't even understand what the title is. Uh, but it's a real popular worship song. And it is, we have some Pentecostal birds outside, by the way. They are singing their amen and everything. I love that. I love hearing that. Um, it is beautiful, isn't it? It's I love that. Yeah, yeah, that's real. Those are real birds. Yeah, who's the director here? Somebody's directing these birds at just the right moment to say amen. Preach it, you know, all that stuff. So uh, <laughs> anyway, um, this this song, I listened to this song, and I had to listen to it a couple of times because it was really a very popular, uh, very modern, really popular now. And one of the things, it's just a brief little line, makes not a lot of sense, is repeated 39 times, 39 times. And I said to myself, that's what I call myself when I'm talking to me, I said, self, you get lost in that. How in the world do you know how many times you're supposed to do it unless it's up on the big screen? But then there was a ladies' retreat uh, this past weekend, Strength for Women Ladies' Retreat. I'm telling you, it, phenomenal, phenomenal thing down in Rehoboth, uh, Rehoboth Beach, Delaware. And during that, there was a song. Uh, there's a band called Day One. I learned about them through a big conference that I used to go to a fair amount, and they were always the music, and they're actually a Christian band, but they're rocking. They're awesome. And uh, there's this one song that this girl, Natalie, sings, uh, Oh, How He Loves Me. And that song is so powerful. It's a sermon. The first time I ever heard Natalie sing this song, she's not with the group anymore. She's uh, 
she's raising a family and all that stuff now. But when when uh, the first time I heard that song, I was moved to tears, wasn't I? I was powerfully moved because at a certain point in the song, it starts with male voice and he sings until Natalie takes over. And then when Natalie takes over, you see, first of all, if you're able to open your eyes, you see that Natalie is in a, a different world. It brings tears to my eyes. Even now, I experienced it several years ago, but even now, I remember this powerful worship experience. And before I knew it, uh, I was in that place with Natalie of day one. I was in that place, and she was worshiping so powerfully through this song. You could tell this was not just simply a matter of notes. This was not simply a matter of lyrics. It was a matter of the notes and the lyrics brought together to express powerful truths and worship to the living God. Oh, how he loves me. And I thought to myself, now that is some powerful stuff. But you know, then I listened to uh then I listened to some of the other songs and against them. I you know, I think vain repetition is something we need to be aware of. The Bible speaks against that. And I think uh, certain songs can be vain repetition, just repeating just for the sake of repeating and getting people fired up. Uh thirty nine times the same thing over and over and over. I thought, wow, boy, that's a shame. So I decided I'm going to give you a contrast to that in case that's all you ever hear. Some churches don't have the old songs anymore. They don't sing. I like a combination. If I became a pastor of a of a big church right now or I had any uh, control over that, I would I would say, you know, I would say we need to do a blend. I like a blend of old stuff and the new stuff. It's one reason why I like the band. Last week I told the story about Selah. Remember, I don't know if I was on the air. Was I on the air when... I told that story about how I just happened on my motorcycle to this church and and I met the band Sela and you know gazillion Dove Award winners they won Grammys and um, just so powerful such a powerful thing and they take the hymns the old hymns and they sing them they they add some oomph to it and they sing them just really amazingly very respectful to the old hymns well this some the hymns every single hymn that I'm going to recite you today is an old hymn. From some are from the Baptist hymnal, some are from the Methodist, and some are from no what else. But the bottom line is, some I grew up hearing, and I'll tell you what I grew up hearing at funerals. My great Aunt Mary, uh, my mom's Aunt Mary, God bless her. She's in heaven rejoicing. She can, she can see well, she can hear well, she can dance well, and I'm sure we always at every family reunion uh, after Aunt Mary passed, we would sing one of the songs. And so I'll see if you. See if you recognize that song, but here's one that talks about walking closely with the Lord. And this kind of breaks it down from the churchy into the into the real. Uh, just a closer walk with a, I am weak, but thou art strong. Jesus, keep me from all wrong. I'll be satisfied as long as I walk. Let me walk close to thee. Just a closer walk with thee. Grant it, Jesus, is my plea. Daily walk. Walking close to thee, let it be, dear Lord, let it be. Through this world of toil and snares, if I falter, Lord, who cares? Who with me my burden shares? None but thee, dear Lord, none but thee. When my feeble life is o'er, time for me will be no more. Gently, guide me gently, safely o'er, to thy kingdom shore, to thy shore. Oh, man, you much better than that, dear. Just a closer walk with thee. 
you've got to walk close with the Father. You've got to walk close with them, anybody you want a great relationship, right? you got to spend a lot of time with them. You have to spend time with them. Text messaging is nice. It's great. It's a touchstone. It's a tether. But you know what? Time together is a special, special thing. This this weekend, uh, uh, Doyle and I had father-son time, and we were able to cook stir-fry from scratch. And he went out and bought everything, and we made the, the gravy. I call it the gravy. My dad used to call it the gravy. Uh, we made the gravy, and we chopped everything, and you know everything was from scratch. And it was fun. It was a lot of fun. We way too much. I'm just going to tell you, it made me think of that encore. That guy's passed away. You remember him? The guy that was, uh, what was he from uh, Happy Days? Uh, Arnold. He was from Arnold's, and so he was the guy that used to do the encore, and I'll be over at 6, and then another person says, I can't eat all this. I'll be over at 8. You know, it made me think of that, but we had fun. We spent time together, and we really enjoy that. That's I enjoy Mike. I'm so blessed to have my kids. I mean, I hear people talk about their kids, and I think, oh, man, I guess I'm lucky because I love being with my kids. It's a great, great thing. So here's another thing. Here's another thing on the same line. Maintain daily fellowship with him. That'll help you in a time of need. I want to key in on that word because daily is so important, but it's not just in a time of need. Right? If you wait until you're in a time of need, what happens? You're only calling upon God. you got bad stuff to share. But what your relationship becomes one-dimensional. It becomes very one-dimensional. What can you do for me? What have you done for me lately? I need you again. But what if we went daily when the sun is shining bright? In this part of the mid-Atlantic part of the of the country, it's going to be rainy for a few days. Well, you know what? I see and fertilize my lawn. I, I need a little bit of rain. It's going to be a beautiful thing. But you know what? By day two of three days of rain, I'm going to be like, mm, I think that's enough. But that's how it is in our life sometimes. We have, we have friends that are going through uh, some really tough times. Some really challenging times. Uh, one of our one of our friends here, grandson, um, has been sick for how many years? Seven years? Five years? Seventeen years old? He's, you know, uh, just everything is challenged. He's been very, very sick. So that's a challenging thing. After a while, you just get, you just get tired. You get worn down. So every day we got to go every day. When there's a good day, we go to God. When there's a bad day, we go to God. When there's an okay day, we go to God. When the sun is shining, when it's raining, when the birds are singing, when it's quiet, we go to God. We go to God. How powerful is this? Maintaining daily fellowship. That's what we do here. We do it once a week, right? We fellowship. Sometimes we disagree. We have political discussions. It's okay in this church. If you're a political person, um, it, you're perfectly fine here. Because we talk politics, and that's okay. We don't tell you to vote for We don't tell you any of that. But we do say, we speak what we know to be the truth, and we listen to people, and we're not, we're not ignorant to people no matter who you who you support. Um, but the fact of the matter is, is we fellowship. We fellowship. And it matters to us what happens during the week with each other. It matters to us. That's a big thing. Here's another song. It's an old hint. It says it wisely. I need thee every hour. I need thee every hour, most gracious Lord. No tender voice like thine can peace afford. I need thee. Oh, I need thee. Every hour I need thee. Oh, bless me now, my Savior. I come to thee. I need thee every hour. Stay now nearby. Temptations lose their power when thou art nigh. I need thee every hour. In joy or pain, come quickly and abide, or life is vain. 
I need thee every hour. Teach me thy will and thy rich promises in me fulfill. I need thee every hour, most holy one. Oh, make me thine indeed, thou blessed son. Wow. Wow, I need thee every hour. It says in this in this passage, it says right here, there's a lot of power in these words. And these words are based, the old hymns, most of them are based on solid foundation of Scripture. But in, in the third stanza, I need thee every hour, enjoy or pain, come quickly and abide. Don't just come and leave, but I'm inviting you to come and stay. I'm inviting you to come stay, abide in me, live with me, live in me, be part of me, be me. Now here's another thing. Make a regular practice of turning everything over to him. Oh, here we go again. The old hymns instruct us well into leaning on his everlasting arms. What a fellowship, what a joy divine, leaning on the everlasting arms. Blessed. What a peace is mine, leaning on the everlasting arms. Leaning, leaning, safe and secure from all alarms. Leaning, leaning on the everlasting arms. Oh, how sweet to walk in this pilgrim way, leaning on the everlasting arms. Oh, how bright the path grows from day to day, leaning on the everlasting arms. What have I to dread? What have I to fear? Leaning on the everlasting arms, I have blessed peace with my Lord so near. Mm. You don't get much better than that. There's some preaching in that song. There's some preaching in that old hymn. There's a real scripture message powerfully delivered, but simply that old hymn. Oh, Here's another thing. Take the matter to him. In prayer, you had better pray. You had better pray. You had better converse with the one who can fix your problem. You can talk to a lot of people, but you can't always talk to the one who can absolutely fix your problem. The old hymns remind us of what is so important. Do not do, don't, don't ever do anything without seeking and receiving his guidance. Well, this is the old song, My Great Aunt Mary. She, she, every single family reunion, every single gathering, every funeral, when we get together, because my family on my mom's side, well, we know how to, we know how to make a a, a, a a funeral fun. We put the fun back in funeral, and we get together. And what do we all? We added a whole sermon on it. Man, we got to stop. When I preached my brother's funeral, I said this at my brother's funeral. Uh, he, this is just a year, just a week ago that he passed away at 52 years old. Uh, and I and I preached his funeral, and I said. Listen, folks, we got to stop getting together like this. But I meant it seriously in that, my goodness, why in the world do we, why in the world do we wait until a terrible, terrible, terrible thing happens and then we gather? Uh, I like that meme that circulates social media. It talks about the flowers. Don't wait till I die to send me flowers. Send them now. Better yet, bring them. And let's sit and have some tea or some coffee and some something else good, like deviled eggs or Zupa Toscana or some kind of thing. I don't know, fried chicken, watermelon, whatever. I like it all. Uh, you know, let's get together. Let's stop with the business and let's, you know, don't send, don't wait till I die to send flowers to me. Come now. And and I mean that. I mean that. But how do you get a friend so close? It doesn't happen. It, does, it, it doesn't happen just automatically, right? You have to do something. You have to every day, every day or every, every 
you know, more than once in a while, you have to reach out. Well, my great aunt Mary, this was this was her favorite her favorite hymn, and we sing it in honor of her. What a friend we have in Jesus, all our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear, all because we do not carry everything. God in prayer. Have we trials and temptations? Is there trouble anywhere? We should never be discouraged. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Can we find a friend so faithful? Who will all our sorrows share? Jesus knows our every weakness. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Well, here you go. Here's about all of us. Are we weak, cumbered with a load of care? Precious Savior, still our refuge. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Do thy friends despise thee, forsake thee? Take it to the Lord in prayer. In his arms he'll take and shield thee. Thou wilt find a solace there. Man, that'll preach, won't it? Folks, that's the real deal right there. What a friend we have in Jesus. You know, one of the biggest things is we don't realize what a resource we have in Christ, in Yeshua, Hamashiach, in in the Ruach HaKodesh, the, the Holy Spirit. We... We don't realize what a resource he is to us. And so we're silent and we're quiet and we fail to reach out. And you know what? It's just like any other friendship. That person on the other line might be saying, at the end or other end of that line might be saying, man, I sure wish, I sure wish so-and-so would call me today. I sure wish, I sure do miss our conversations. I sure wish they'd call. But it's been so long. It's been so long. I wonder if they just don't want to hear from me today. That's a tough thing. You know, you'll realize this with your parents when they're gone. Those of you who have recently lost your parents, those who, you know, you don't ever really get over that. Once they're gone, they're gone. And you sure wish. Wow, I sure wish. Now, I would say that about my dad, and I mean it. I wish he was here because he made the best, the best stir fry I ever had in my life. The problem is my dad was a gourmet cook, but he never would tell how he did anything. He never wrote anything down. So you would stand there trying to covertly figure out what he's doing. And then finally you had to ask him when it came to this great stir-fry gravy. You'd say, Dad, how do you make gravy? Of course, he would always say, what are you, stupid? Who can't make gravy? It's the simplest thing in the world, you know. And So you were like, well, I don't want to be stupid. So, you know, you pretend like you knew. So, but, uh, you know, you, you when they're gone, they're gone, right? Your friends are gone, they're gone. I just found out a 51-year-old lady, I'm 50 years old, uh, and a 50, 51-year-old lady, dear, dear lady, my goodness, she uh, she just was just such a stalwart, such a happy person, seemingly so healthy in the city of Dover, Delaware, and really big political uh, person and great conservative icon and uh, in the state. She worked tirelessly behind the scenes, and she passed away. She was sick for a long time, and she passed away, 51, and all the friends are saying on the little memorial page that they have, well, big memorial page, wow, I didn't know. I said it myself. I didn't know. You know why I didn't know? Because I didn't reach out to her. I didn't say, hey, I, I just want you to know I appreciate all the hard work you do for the cause here in Delaware. That means a lot to me. You always do it with a smile. You always do it gracefully. And now she's gone, and I can't say that to her anymore. But I know that she's a firm believer and I know that she's in heaven and she's rejoicing with the Father today. But the fact of the matter is we got to say things to each other. 
When you think of that person, you've got to reach out. And you know what? When you've got a trial, you've got a tribulation. There's no better friend than you could have in Jesus. Listen, don't fail to do, here's another thing, don't fail to do anything he shows you to do. Don't fail to do anything he shows you to do. Don't try to figure things out on your own. The Bible says, lean not on your own understanding. Stop trying to fix it yourself. It's totally okay to admit, you know what, I just don't know. I just don't know. I don't know how to fix this thing. And we don't lean under our own understanding. Unaided reason will always lead to more problems. Let God help you. I don't know what our reluctance is. For some reason or another, we are reluctant. We think, well, I've got to fix it myself. But generally speaking, the problem is because we try to fix it ourselves. There's nothing worse, right? You have a situation, uh, you kind of mess something up, and then you say, well, I don't want anybody to know I messed it up. I'm going to try to fix it. And what do you do? You make it worse. Like the haircut, right? You try to cut either your own hair or one of your kid's hair. And you go high on the one side. And, oh, I got to go bounce it out on the other side. And for long, you've got a mohawk going on. You're, oh, my goodness. And so somebody says, well, why don't you just, as soon as you realize you messed up, why don't you just carry them to a, to a, a professional haircut person? And he says, well, I was trying to fix it myself. Oh, you fixed it? It you sure enough did. Unaided reason, it'll always lead to more problems. You've got to let God help you. It isn't wrong, now I want to make this clear, it's not wrong to use your own reason. Don't sit idle and mute and action less and reason less when God gave you reason to use. Look, that's a gift he gave you. Just so long, use your reason, work it out yourself too, just so long as it's not your reason Alone, reason must be submitted to the will of God. Here's a good point here. Submit yourself and the situation. Submit yourself and situation, thing that you don't know what to do about. Submit yourself, your whole self, to God. And then submit, turn over, release, surrender the situation that you're dealing with to God. You have to admit yourself. Look. It's embarrassing sometimes to admit we don't know. Men always are, are blamed of this, right? The directions thing. And, and that's something. The directions thing. We're driving somewhere. There's a man and a woman in a car. have been married a while. And, and they've seen the same stores three or four times now. And finally, finally the woman goes, um, we've seen this. This is the third time. And uh, so I'm just wondering, are you lost? No, I'm not lost. I know exactly where I'm going. It seems kind of like you're lost. I'm, will the car only turn left? Because do we have a car problem? Is that a car No, no, I know where I am. Well, it doesn't seem like you know where you are. Why don't you ask someone? No, I don't need to ask somebody. Right? There's a commercial on television. I don't even know what the commercial is selling on television, but it's Tarzan and his supposed wife, and, and she's mad with him because he's not he's not asking directions. She's lost in the jungle, you know? And we just don't ask. And what happens? It gets worse. It gets worse. We get lost, and it gets worse. God is the ultimate GPS, folks. If you're driving around some little country town looking for some place, you know, GPS is a great thing. So is God. God knows every street. GPS has saved, man, amen, sister. GPS has saved many marriages. I'll tell you that right now. A lot of relationships are saved by good GPS. Get you one of those big green ones, too, seven-inch. Screens, they got them like TVs on the front of your car. 
They talk to you. They'll talk right in your ear. It's amazing. But look, you've got to admit to yourself and to God, look, I just don't know. I just don't know. I don't know how to fix this. I just don't know. And then you and your yielded and surrendered state are finally ready for his solution and his answer. Folks, that's the key. You've got to admit to yourself, I just don't know. And then you've got to admit to God, God, I just don't know. But here's the next thing. This is the challenge. Be willing no matter what his will may be. If any man will do his will, he shall know of the doctrine. If anyone wants to do his will, he will know whether my teaching is from God or I speak on my own. John 7, 17. Don't try to predetermine or rubber stamp his will. The old and wise hymn encourages us that we must surrender all. And by the way, remember, we don't recreate God in our own image. So if he gives us an answer and we don't like it, we don't recreate God in our own image and say, well, my God wouldn't say something like he wouldn't have me do that. We must follow him. We must surrender fully and completely. We surrender all. Here's another great hymn, and this is what it has to say about this. All to Jesus I surrender, all to him I freely give. I will ever Love and trust him in his presence. One, daily live. I surrender all. I surrender all. All to thee, my blessed Savior, I surrender all. Here's a powerful verse. All to Jesus I surrender. Humbly at his feet I bow. Worldly pleasures all forsaken. Take me, Jesus. Take me now. Boy, that's some strength in that. Humbly. At his feet, I bow. You know what? In this society, humility is really, really undervalued. Humility is really undervalued. It used to be viewed in the Christian uh, circles as if you were humble, you were a whipping post. right? I don't think Christians should ever be a whipping post. We submit to God. We submit to our, uh, our governmental authority as long as they're not violating God's principles in Scripture. As long as they're not violating that, we submit to them. There's nothing, nothing at all wrong with being humble. We certainly would always be humble to God. Why? Because God is never wrong. All to Jesus I surrender. Make me savior, savior, holy thine. Let me feel thy Holy Spirit. Truly know that thou art mine. All to Jesus I surrender. Lord, I give myself to thee. Fill me with thy love and thy power. Let blessings fall on me. All to Jesus I surrender. Now I feel the sacred flame. Oh, the joy of full salvation. Glory, glory to his name. Here's something else you really got to do. You got to clearly express your problem. There's no worse than vague and ambiguous, undirected prayer. Lord, if you are there and if you can help, I need help with something. There's nothing worse than an, an ambiguous prayer. You can't be ambiguous with God. Be specific. Be specific. But you know what? If you're ambiguous with yourself, guess what you're going to be with God? You're going to be ambiguous with God. He wants you to be specific. Here's a way that can help you. Put it in writing. Paper and pencil. It's highly underrated, folks. They sell those little, uh, we call them things, composition books, right? The line paper for a dollar. You can get them sometimes for less than that. And they get you some pencils, get you some nice gel pens. I like the ones that really flow. I like the dark green ink, I'm just saying. But sometimes you just got to write stuff out. You got to write it out and say, man, I, I got to get this out of my system. I got to write this out and figure out what, what's really going on here. Because here's why. Writing it out sometimes helps to clarify the problem. It just helps to clarify it. 
I'll say this. Ambiguity with God is hesitant faith. Ambiguity with God is hesitant faith. And hesitant faith, no faith at all. We sometimes find answers, and I think this is interesting. Sometimes we find answers while stating the problem. We put it into words, and when we put it into words, real words, it makes real. Sometimes people see me walking my dog, and they look out the window, and they go, who are you talking to? And I say, I'm talking. I'm preaching. I'm talking to me. I'm talking to the air. I'm talking with God. I'm, I talk with my dog. My dog talks back. I mean, don't think she doesn't. But the thing of the matter is, is sometimes when you say it out loud, when you say it out loud, you think, oh, did I just say that? Is it really, is that really what I was saying? Because that doesn't make a lot of sense. Sometimes you realize by saying something out loud, you know what, this really isn't a problem. This isn't a problem. Say it out loud if you're walking. Folks, look at that keeps people off of you and think you're crazy. That's why I think people don't mess with me. It's not because I always carry a gun. It's because they think I'm nuts. And then you write stuff out, go back to it later. Go back to it later. Write what you really think. Don't don't censor what you write. Write it write it out. Just get it out. Speak speak what you feel. Speak what you what you're feeling. Don't be ambiguous. Write it out. Don't be ambiguous. Don't worry about using up ink. We got more of that. We got more paper. Maybe your problem is you're worried that you have a problem. Maybe the problem is you're just worried about the problem. Maybe you just need to let go. We all have problems in life, right? Problems come along. We don't have a problem-free life. We're not guaranteed that. We're not promised that in any way. But sometimes the problem becomes our worry over the general, regular, everyday problems that are common to life. Sometimes it's just the worry. Sometimes our only problem is worry. But you know what? The Bible says it won't let you live longer. And the Bible reminds us and instructs us this way. Therefore, I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you'll eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Isn't life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds flying about. They neither plant nor harvest, nor do they gather food into the barns. Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you worth more than they are? Can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to his life. That's in the sixth chapter of Matthew, folks. It's, I didn't make it up. Won't make you taller. Won't give you more hair. Won't make you older to worry. Some problems are not worth having. I'll tell you that. So in keeping with this old hymn, leave your hurt, habit, or hang-up at the cross. Here's another great one. Some problems are just not worth having. Alas, and did my Savior bleed, and did my Sovereign die? Would he devote that sacred head for such a worm as I? At the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light and the burden of my heart rolled away. It was there by faith I received my sight, and now I am happy all the day. Was it for crimes that I had done, he groaned upon the tree. Amazing pity, grace unknown, and love beyond degree. At the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light and the burden of my heart rolled away. It was there by faith, received my sight, and now I am happy all the day. Well might the sun in darkness hide and shut his glories in when Christ the mighty maker died for man, the creature's sin. At the cross, at the cross, I first saw the light and the burden of my heart rolled away. It was there by faith I received my sight, and now I am happy all the day. But here's the really big thing. But drop of grief can ne'er repay the debt of love I owe. 
Here, Lord, give myself away. Tis all I can do. At the cross. At the cross, folks. Don't resist. Leave the hurts, habits, and hang-ups, the big sack that you're carrying around. Leave it at the cross. Leave it at the cross. Don't run around with a big sack of hurts, habits, and hang-ups if you don't need to. Leave it at the cross. Some problems are not worth having. You might say, well, that sounds kind of weird, Dr. Sean. Uh, some problems, I think all problems. You know what? We learn the most sometimes from our problems. We learn the most. We're honed. We're refined by the fire. The fire is hot. It burns. It's tough. Sometimes the challenges that we face, boy, they teach us a lot. We learn a lot. Well, what else can we do? You know what? We search for Bible principles. If there's no direct teaching available, God puts resources within your reach for a reason. But try to find the principles in Scripture that apply. And for all, for sake, don't proof text. You guys know what proof texting is? You know, you want to you want to use a scripture because it seems to support the thing that you believe or that you want to express. A lot of pastors do it. There's a pastor of the world's largest church or the United States' largest church in Houston, Texas. They meet at the old Astrodome. Um, well, that fellow has got texting down down pat. He needs to read a book, probably the Bible, and it doesn't mean what you think it means. Sometimes, sometimes it means the opposite. But he wouldn't know. He wouldn't know. But why is it important to express the problem clearly? Scripture speaks clearly. So you need to express yourself clearly. The Lord speaks clearly through Scripture. We need to speak clearly to the problem. There are principles for every situation, and the Bible can handle it. The Bible is the handbook. So here's another one. Be sure there's no sin or disobedience involved. Keep short accounts with God. Psalm 66, 18. If I regard iniquity in my heart. Well, here's the complete Jewish version. Had I cherished evil thoughts, Adonai would not have listened. But in fact, God did listen. He paid attention to my prayer. Blessed be God who did not reject my prayer or turn his grace away from me. Listen, there's a thing called a sin box. Sometimes, and I'm not saying you have to be perfect or sinless. None of us are sinless. Otherwise, you know, if I was saying that, we would never get a prayer answer because what? It would never be heard. We're talking about that repeated sin, that willful sin, that sin that you just say, you know what? I'm not going to let go of it. I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing. I know it's wrong, and I don't care. I'm going to keep doing what I know is wrong. I'm not going to work on it. I'm not going to try. I'm not going to turn it over to God. I'm not going to become uh, that 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 person that the potter puts in the refiner's fire. I'm not going to be that. I'm not going to do that. So I reject that. I'm just going to do what I want to do. I know it's wrong, but I'm going to do what I want to do because it's what I want to do. Newsflash to you. That is is unrepentant sin. And when you sin that way, intentionally, on purpose, on purpose, guess what happens? God is still and he's quiet. You see, what happens is if you're riddled with unrepentant sin, your will is to continue sinning in that way. Without even realizing it, you're hiding from God. But you know what else? Not doing what we know we should while seeking to more. If you know what you should do, but you don't do it, you go on and do what you want to do. You don't like the answer God gives you, so you keep on doing what you want to do. Or you keep praying for a different answer from God. You're sinning in that. Quit praying for an answer that you like better. Broken fellowship prevents answers. He will be quiet while waiting for you. Sometimes our problem is that we know the answer, but we we just will not act on it. We won't act on it. We don't 
don't like the answer, so we go la, 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 la. I don't like that when I'm going to keep praying to give me some other answer. Any of you in here have had children or you've taught children. Mom, can I have some ice cream? What are you, nuts? It's it's breakfast time. It's 8 a.m. Ice cream. Eat your eggs. Pitter-pat, 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 pitter-pat. Dad, can I have some ice cream? Right? Well, I knew not to do that in my house. My mom and dad talked to one another, and if, if dad... If I went to dad and asked dad for something, and and he, he asked your mother, he would always say that. Ask your mother. Oh, and if I'd already asked my mother, I knew at some point during the day, dad is going to talk to mother, and mother is going to say, he asked me that already. Oh, there's nothing worse than that. Nothing worse than seeking another answer. Well, I don't like the answer mom gave me. I'm going to ask dad. That just doesn't work well. It didn't work well in my family, I can tell you. Although I was very well behaved, I almost never did that. Yeah. <laughs> well, James, <laughs> people are like, yes, you're fine. James 4, Bible, you desire things and don't have them. You kill and are jealous and you still can't get them. You so fight and quarrel. The reason you don't have is that you don't pray. Or you pray and don't receive because you pray with the wrong motive, that of wanting to indulge your own desires. Now, don't mess this up. He's not talking to wives here. He's using wife as a um as a symbol here you unfaithful wives don't you know that loving the world is hating god whoever chooses to be the world's friend makes himself god's enemy boy that thing that you're clinging to that thing that that sin that you just won't let go of boy that thing that you're clinging to folks that could create a wall between you and god let that go here's another thing that you can do i think this is this is some wise advice it's simple seek godly counsel. But I'm going to give you some cautions here. Don't go to those who you know will agree with you. If you already know they're going to agree with you, don't go to them. Get a different get different. Uh, because this is the path to disaster and I'll tell you why. Because you go along, you go to this person, they're going to agree. They say, yeah, I think that'll be fine to run with scissors. Lean back in your chair. Stand in front of the refrigerator not knowing anything. That'll be fine. That'll be perfectly good. Go on and do that thing. Go on and do that really good thing. I think I think it'll be fine. I, yeah, I would do that if I were you. But guess what? When it all falls apart, they're going to abandon you. You're going to look around to blame them, and guess what? They're going to be gone. They will have deserted you. You don't only seek counsel that agrees with you, but you know what else you don't do? Don't seek too many. Figure out only a couple of people who are wise, who can and should be trusted, and then ask them. Only them. Look, you're not taking a census. Here, of a medium-sized city, you're not taking a census. What should I do? What should I do? Your next house, next house, next block over. What should I? What should? I? You're not doing that. You're not taking a census. You're not taking a survey. You're just seeking wise and godly counsel from a couple of people, just a couple of wise people. Don't ask people whose lives I've said this before. You guys, know. don't ask people for wise counsel whose life is a wreck. Don't do it. Don't ask the person with no money for financial advice. Don't ask the person. For uh, health tips, if they have unhealthy habits and they're obviously overweight or unhealthy or sickly, don't ask them for health and wellness advice. They're the wrong people to ask. Don't ask a person who's clearly not attached to hip, attached at the hip of God for spiritual advice. Folks, if this person is, is not connected with God, you can see it. You can really see it. You know that person that's just in such communion with God, such a daily walk with God. You know that person. You can tell. You can tell. Not wordly showy about it, not braggadocious about it, not pious about it, but you can just tell. I know any of you in this room know people that are really, really 
connected at the hip to God. Boy, they they just they want to do what God tells them to do. Now they do life. They live life. There's nothing worse than a person that says they're really connected with God and they don't do anything in their life. They just sit around and they, get, they spout off all kinds of little sayings. They sound great, but they don't do the right thing. They just ignore the lesson and they just keep going the wrong direction. Folks, that's not who you want. You want a person who clearly lives next to God, who's always in pursuit of God, who's always trying to do, and you you know that's wise and godly counsel. So seek that spiritual advice from them. Ask, be specific, ask for godly, pertinent, relevant counsel from godly people. No, because they live it. Now, why does this help? Why does this help? Others may have been through the same thing. Boy, wouldn't we be surprised sometimes if the veil, the fakeness, right, the, the mask, if it was taken off a lot of the churches all across this country, if folks' hidden thing was revealed, and we think, well, man, why didn't I go to that person? That person has struggled. Listen, uh, I have a good friend of mine whose, whose daughter died. Uh, she was dear. She worked on my teeth for how many years? Three years? Three years, every six weeks, she worked on my teeth. And she was just a sweet little girl, and I and I just thought the world of her, and she thought the world of me. And and now her mother is dealing with the loss of her child because she died of a heroin overdose. Terrible. Just terrible. Heartbreaking. My goodness. My goodness. But now, that's not something you run around telling everybody. Hey, did you know that my daughter died of a heroin overdose? But you know what? Sometimes if you... You know somebody's been through something, through no fault of their own. Maybe they did have some fault. And they recognize that they admit it, and they've turned a different direction. They said, look, this is I did the wrong thing here. You can learn a lot from a person that's in the valley. Let me tell you what. You can't learn anything that stays in the valley. Right? You can't learn from somebody that lives in the valley. But they may struggle more than might be obvious. They may have been able to tell you their story. Maybe it'll tell you their story in such a way that lets you see your way through the valley of the shadow of death that you're trying to find your way out of. You know what? The uninvolved, they see more clearly. If, if you step outside your circle, right? All of us have circles. And, and sometimes in a circle, folks know, you know, they, they see what we're doing. Nowadays, you got cell phone with the cameras. you got the cameras everywhere. You, you know, it can't, you can't hardly do anything. People see everything you do. So people in immediate circle, they know. They know with social media and text messaging and word gets around and blah, blah, blah. Everybody knows. Sometimes you have to step outside that circle and say, hey, I, I need some help here. I need some help. That's why a lot of times when a pastor has had a real problem and they need restoration or they need healing, um, you got to start at the start, but sometimes that inner circle is not the best place to start. Sometimes it's good to reach out well outside that circle and bring somebody else in or send the pastor to that person, and, and it really is helpful to step outside that circle. Sometimes the uninvolved, they see more clearly. They're generally unemotional, and their clarity becomes obvious when their emotions don't skew their reaction advice. Clarity is what we need most often. You know what? We lie to ourselves, right? Now, I'm not going to do this because any of you know my OCD way. I'm all-time clean glasses. Got my little got my little glasses cleaner thing here. It's a special fabric. I don't ever clean my glasses with just an old thing. I make sure I write things. Right, everybody uses their shirt. That would drive me crazy. And I'm, if I'm in an emergency, I try it. And what's it do? Makes it worse. Makes it worse because one of the parts of uh, I have incredible, uh, my brain injury caused eye problems, but my eyesight picks up the littlest thing, and then it tells my brain 
to go on overload. Uh, and so the only thing I see is that little smudge or that dot, right? So I would never take my glasses off and lick them, you know, and then rub them on something. And I actually saw somebody one time rubbing their glasses on the carpet. And I said, what are you doing? They said, I'm trying to clean my glasses. I thought, what do you got on there? The carpet is your first best thing. Clarity is what you need. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or in your hair. Clarity is what we need. We need to know what's what. So here's another thing. This is number nine. We got ten. Do not act until you have to or until you know what to do. Folks, don't act until you have to or until you know what to do. That sounds so simple, doesn't it? It sounds so simple. Often we do not have the answers yet because we don't, we don't need them yet. I always say patience, grasshopper, patience. Really important. I'm sorry. The, and this will make sense to you here in a second. The truly impatient among my audience are thinking to themselves right now, now why didn't he just make this the first point? He could have just made this the first point and saved all this. <laughs> it's true. Sometimes it's not time for the answer. Sometimes it's not time for the solution. Sometimes you've got to go through some stuff. Sometimes you're not going to learn unless you go through the stuff. Sometimes you don't learn how beautiful the view is from the mountaintop until you've been through the valley. Many situations care for themselves or provide their own answers. Sometimes it's less of a problem and more of a journey. Sometimes the problem isn't really a problem. It's not really a problem. It's the journey. Sometimes we have to just submit ourselves and say, you know what, this is going to be a thing. I have a good friend. I think he's listening now. You've heard about him many, many times. I have friends, actually. I'll mention them both. Chris Cahalan. Uh He has pancreas cancer, and he just got back from being on a little holiday and before he started chemo. He's in chemo. He's He's trying to kick chemo in the teeth, and it's tough. It's hard. It's hard, and, and he breaks the things down. I really admire how this super godly guy does what he does. He breaks the problem down to what it really is. He gives some clarity to it, and he says, hey, the cancer right now really isn't the problem. The problem is, is i got to get my weight up. i gotta be, I got to make sure my body's working so that I can function well through the chemo so it kills the cancer but it doesn't kill me number one side effect of chemotherapy is death so he's fighting hard my buddy eric man my buddy eric i grew up with him we've been we've been friends since kindergarten we've been friends a long time he's fighting cancer and he's got all this stuff going on and my goodness he's just you know but it's not cancer is very rarely ever the thing i say how you doing buddy we just you know i talk to him every week how you doing buddy and he'll tell me a piece of the puzzle, but not the big, well, I have cancer. Well, I know he has cancer. But cancer is not really the problem, right? we got to fight through. We have somebody here, several people here, who's actually had cancer. And you know what? You have to, okay, this is what I have to do. This is what I have to do to fight it. I have to do this step. And I have to get through. That's just what i got to do. i got to confront it. i got to... I just got to live through the struggle. I got to climb over the challenge. I've got to go around the wall. No, wait. Sometimes there is no way around the wall. You got to go over it. And sometimes that's a fingernail climb, right? You ever have one of those fingernail and toenail climb? You're just grabbing on that wall and clawing and clawing and clawing. Sometimes it's really difficult to climb, but climb you must. Here's number 10. Been waiting. I said there was 10 things. Here's number 10. Expect God to give you direction. Expect God to give you direction. Now, expect is a powerful word. Listen, folks, if you don't go into it expecting God to give you direction, then you don't know your God. 
But then what? You got to move on. You got to move on and you can't let it stop you. You can't let that challenge stop you. Ready? Aim. 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 At some point you got to fire, right? Bible Bible puts it this way, even if I pass through death dark ravines, yea, though I walk through the shadow of the valley, right? Valley of shadow of death. You guys heard it put that way. This is from the complete Jewish Bible. Even if I pass through pass through death dark ravines, I will fear no disaster, for you are with me. Your rod and staff reassure me. You prepare a table for me. Even as my enemies watch, you anoint my head with oil from an overflowing cup. Goodness and grace will pursue me every day of my life, and I will live in the house of Adonai for years and years to come. That's Psalm 23, 4-6 in the Complete Jewish Bible. Look, these verses are a promise. Believe it. Believe it. These verses are a promise. Believe it. Why? Because you can. Right? You don't keep aiming. Eventually you fire. Belief and trust is you firing the gun of faith. That's you saying, hey, you know what? I I believe in this. I'm not going to waver. I'm not going to hesitate. Sometimes, most of the time, you have to seek the wisdom. You have to spend the time and effort and prayer. Then you must do what for many, what they do not want to do. You must do God's will. The will, God, but yours. He promised that if we do that, he'll be right beside us. He'll be right ahead of us. He'll be preparing the path. Look, I want to invite you to look at the story of Solomon. Second Chronicles 1, 7 through 12. That, and I'll read this in the complete Jewish Bible. That night God appeared to Shlomo, which is Solomon, and said to him, Tell me what I should give you. Shlomo said to God, You showed much grace to your servant David, my father, have made me king in his place. Now, Adonai God, you have been faithful to your promise. Okay, it made me king over the people, as numerous as the grains of the dust of the earth. So now, give me wisdom and knowledge that I will be able to lead this people. For who equal to judging this great people of yours? God said, this is verse 11, God said to Shlomo, because... You set your heart on this because instead of asking for riches, wealth, honor, and the death of those who hate you or long life, you ask for wisdom and knowledge for yourself so that you would be able to judge my people over whom I made you king. Not only are wisdom and knowledge being given to you, but I will also give you riches, wealth, and honor, such as no king before you has ever had and no king after you will have much. That's Second Chronicles seven, or Second Chronicles one seven through twelve in the complete Jewish Bible. Here, here's what you do when you don't know what to do: you ask, you ask. But as you do, remember the bigger picture that God speaks of. The picture that Solomon saw and was rewarded for Matthew six thirty three. But seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. First Corinthians one thirty. Jesus is our wisdom. Seeking Him solves the problems we face. God wants to help us. But in a very real way, he has already solved all of problems in Christ. Look, these ten steps here, they can help you do something about the tough situations that you're going through and keep you going until you find the solutions that God has for you. Now, here's another thing I would suggest you do. Share this share this talk, this little Sean talk here. Share this talk. If you have a friend, maybe maybe you don't know that, exactly what they're going through, but you know they're going through something. Share this talk with them. It's free. It's not going to cost them anything if they 
the internet. It's not going to cost you. You can you can save this link, right? In a couple minutes after, uh, it will be um, it'll be available, and there's no commercials, and it'll be all compressed. So you can you can send this link to anybody. You can put it on social media and send it to them, and help them out. So I encourage you to do that. And you know what? Save the link. Save it for yourself and listen to it again. I have a, I got a letter this week or an email this week from a dear, dear listener, uh, 68 years old. And he said, I, I just, I happened, he made a comment on my website, com, And he went to the blog section, he read something, and he said, wow, it's as though you were reading my mind. Boy, this was exactly at the right time. Now, how would I have known that? I didn't know that. I didn't know that, but I trusted God. God, give me what to say, and let me say it in the way that would honor you. Here's ultimately the thing, you know, sometimes you've got to go back and listen. He said there was a link to a message attached to that blog post, and he said, you know, I've listened to it six times. Six hours. He invested six hours in listening, and he's listening tonight, and I thank him for that. It's an honor. Thank you for taking the time to make a comment, to leave a comment, and uh, just really powerful. Six times he listened. But the thing that I really love is that I've sent it to all my friends. I sent the link to all my friends. And you know what? I think everybody could benefit. This one tonight, share it with your friend. Help a friend out. Because you know what? You never know what somebody's going through. The, the final thing that I want to say is this. I think we're in a strange place in this country. We're in a tough, tough place, right? You've got all rioting in Chicago that happened. Folks, don't 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 get it twisted that this was not Trump fans. Trump's not my number one. I'm, uh, you know, you guys know that. Anybody that listened to me for ten minutes knows this was this was the left trying to stir stuff up. Chicago has long been a hotbed for uh, unrest and protest and all this other stuff. It's no small irony that Chicago also has the highest murder rate and all these things. They have the strictest gun laws, but they have the highest murder rate. They have poverty. The people, you know, the the the, uh, the life wellness index is the lowest in the country, and yet they're protesting and complaining. Most of those protesters weren't even from there. George Soros and MoveOn.org and Bill Ayers and Black Lives Matter and all these other folks—they're all part of it. Why do I bring that up as part of this? Listen, sometimes. Um, I get asked, who should I vote for? And I say, you got to vote your heart. But you also have to vote your mind. You have to say, you know what? I need to learn about these candidates. I would say one of the best places and one of the worst places to learn about the candidates is the Internet. Boy, the Internet, the interweb, it can be a real problem. It can be a great blessing, but it can be a real problem because you see stuff posted on there. Sometimes you think, oh, my, if I'd have known that, I would have never supported this fella. I see people turning because of one small part of one speech that Ted Cruz made. I see people turning from him. Well, I was his fan until he said this. They're saying that Ted Cruz said, now, I know what he said because I watched the whole speech. I recorded it or taped it. Nobody tapes anything. I recorded it, and I listened to it back just to make sure. But then I hear people running around talking about Ted Cruz is supporting Bill Ayers, and he's siding with the Black Lives Matter and with Soros and all that stuff by blaming Donald Trump for what what happened there. Well, he didn't blame him. He said, but each candidate bears some responsibility for what happens at their events. You know what that's called, folks? That's called taking responsibility. That's called being accountable and saying, hey, you know, there sometimes it doesn't. He said, you know, some of the rhetoric that comes out of his mouth, you're going to have to accept the fact that sometimes 
there's going to come a price with that. It's a dual-edged sword, dual-edged sword. Did he cause it? Did Donald Trump cause it? No, he didn't. This was a whole big planned protest, uh, and, and, and it worked. Sadly, it worked. So I'm saying you've got to educate yourself. You've got to be aggressive about educating yourself. So I tell that to people. Listen, dig down deep. Don't, don't go surfacy. Don't go with the emotional stuff that's just going to move you because you're going to be like that in the wind, right? You're going to fall for everything, everything. So decide and then resolve and then stand. Say, this is who I'm supporting. One little thing I saw come out about Rush Limbaugh this week. Boy, there's no, there's no greater, more consistent conservative icon than Rush Limbaugh. And uh, I was privileged to meet him and uh, just, you know, there's the Rush image persona and then there's the Rush Limbaugh that is truly a sweet and wonderful man, generous to a fault. I know this. He said one thing this week and folks are throwing the baby out with the bathwater. That's it. I used to listen to Rush. I grew up on Rush. But you know what? He said this and he's a rhino and I'm throwing him out. That's stupid, folks. Grow up. Look, if you're a Trump supporter, be proud of that. Be proud of it. But don't get on don't get on social media and yelling and saying ignorant things and hateful things to people. And if you're a Cruz supporter, don't get on social media and say hateful and ignorant things. Don't do that. Let's have some dignity. Look, it's tough. This is tough things. This is high stakes business here. We lose this election, folks. It's over. We lose this election. It is absolutely over. Life as we know it in the United States of America is over. Now, that's a fact. So this sermon is particularly timely, I think, for those such a time as this. You know, we hear that said. Well, it is the time. It's barefoot in the snow days. And there's really no going back, folks. If we get this one wrong, we're in deep, deep trouble. Thank you so much for joining me. I really appreciate it. God bless you. Um, I am I'm very very fortunate to have so many folks listening across uh, all across America, and we have people that listen. It's I have to I have to some some of the comments I read on the ninjapastor.com, drshawnbreener.com. I have to read them over and over and over because you know these are people typing in English. That's not their language. They're you know they're typing English, trying the best they can. And then sometimes I might have no idea what they said, but they speak better English than I do. Join us next time for Sundays with Dr. Sean. And please follow this show and the Collision of Faith and Politics radio show during the week at www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash The Ninja Pastor. And follow Dr. Sean on Twitter at The Ninja Pastor and on Facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash God in Country Radio. And check out all the free messages, archive shows, and buy Dr. Sean's critically acclaimed book, Excellence Killed the Church, How Mediocrity is Destroying America, at www.drshawngreener.com. Join us during the week. And in the meantime, Dr. Sean will be fighting for you and for this great country. Thank you for joining us in this fight.